When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. Hey everybody, I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Sesh. No! Oh my god, how could he do that? Are you on What? Charles Darwin. All right, so today, Logan, we are returning to a special here at Nerd Sesh. We do it about once every month. Trivia time number five is here where I quiz you on all things NFL history. You quiz me on all things NBA history, and we have a ball, and we show off a little, and we have fun doing it. I wish we could do this a little more often, but, you know, once a month is about appropriate. Yeah, I mean, we could if we wanted to, but we don't want to oversaturate here. No, no, I completely agree. We got to inform the people on other stuff as well, so why don't you kick things off? I will, and... uh I'm, I'm excited. Carson, who is the all-time leader in steals for the Boston Celtics? Interesting. Interesting, interesting. So my first thought would be John Havlicek, but I don't know if they were tracking. They started tracking steals, I want to say, in like 72, 73. So that's pretty late in his career. So that makes it tough on him. Um, looking elsewhere, more modern guys. Paul Pierce is a very... Inspiring candidate considering he played there so long. Rondo probably didn't play there long enough. So my official guess, ooh, something in me is saying that it's Havlicek, even though I don't think they started tracking steals until late in his career. I'm going to go Paul Pierce. That is correct. Yes! Paul Pierce, 1,583. And considering Havlicek wasn't in the top five for steals, I'm going to naturally assume that it was because steals weren't tracked. Yeah, I think that's true. I think if they started that... I think it was the 72-73 season. Logan, this one's a little bit this one's a little bit tough to kick things off. Since 1985, which two quarterbacks have the most seasons in which they started at least 10 games and had less than 3000 yards passing? Ooh. So just perennial game managers. Pretty much. And taking out pre-85 cuz then all the passing numbers were just super low. 85 starting so it's a amount of seasons? Yeah, the most seasons. Um I don't know why but something's I don't think it's Alex Smith, but 
that he's an interesting candidate just because those years in Kansas City, but I feel like he surpassed 3,000 a few times. Um, who else is a good candidate? This is an interesting question. Thank you. Um, you know what? This is really strange. I'm going to say Stan Humphreys. Not Stan Humphreys. Shout out Stan Humphreys for making shout that one Stan Super Humphreys. Bowl, though. Yeah, shout out Stan Humphreys. Okay, so I have one guy for sure that I know I'm going with. Okay. Uh, my first answer is definitely Chad Pennington. I, I'm i going to go with Pennington. I don't want to hear the response because I just want to lock in two and see what happens. Um, okay. I'm going to go Pennington and I don't know why. Uh, I'm going to go Vinny Testaverde because he played a really long time. Testaverde is so close. Testaverde had seven. And the two guys at the top of this list had eight. So one of them is super hard. I wouldn't expect to get Chris Chandler. And Logan, Logan's, Logan's thinking he should have gotten it. I I was thinking Falcons quarterbacks, and I thought maybe Chris Chandler, but yeah. I didn't want to go with him. So oh. the, the answers are Chris Chandler and Jim Harbaugh. They both had eight sub-3,000 and only one 3,000-yard season. Next on this list, and this is part of what makes this question so interesting, Troy Aikman and Vinny Testaverde. Wow. Aikman had seven, as did Testaverde, and then next is Trent Dilfer with six. Here's the incredible thing about all the guys on this list. They were all pro bowlers. Yeah. Every one of them, even with, you know, the unimpressive raw numbers. I mean, Chandler was only one time, but it does count. Um, I think it was twice, actually. Think twice? Yeah. Maybe. Harbaugh was one time. Dilfer was one time. I, sh- I think I should have gotten this question um, just because Harbaugh was obviously known as a accurate passer, never a big arm, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, as does Chandler. I'm kicking myself for not getting Chandler, though. Okay, Carson. So moving forward, my second question. Who had the most total assists in last year's playoffs? Okay, so let's think about this. Who made a deep run? So my first thought is Kyle Lowry. Um, I don't think it's ooh Draymond Green. I'm thinking I'm going Draymond Green. It is Draymond Green. All right. And you named the top two performers in the total assist category. Kyle Lowry finished with 159 last year. Draymond had 187. Wow. And I just naturally assumed you'd go with someone like Lowry or Steph, mm-hmm. but uh, kudos to you. Draymond, man, in the playoffs, he's he was a different animal last year. Playoff Draymond was and like 2015-16 Draymond. Isn't it amazing how the viewpoints have changed on Draymond Green now that the Warriors aren't winning? Yeah. It's just insane to think about. Well, in a circumstance where he's not surrounded by dynamic shooters and creators for themselves, I mean, he looks pretty tough out there because mm-hmm. the dude can't get a shot for himself for the life of him. And if he shoots a pull-up 18-footer, might as well take a shot clock violation. All right, Logan, let's move on. This is an interesting one. Which two players have scored a rushing or receiving touchdown in 18 straight games? There are two in NFL history. Um, so Ladanian Tomlinson. That is correct. I it was I don't know if it was all rushing touchdowns, but I know he had rushing touchdowns in 18 straight. Ooh. Can can you give me an era? 60s. Ooh. Um It's one you probably wouldn't expect. So I mean I think I'm gonna go with Gale Sayers. It's not Gale Sayers. Who else? Is it a Packers running back? It is not. I'm going to throw in the towel. I don't I don't know who. Lenny Moore of the Baltimore Colts. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not kicking myself for not getting Lenny you Moore. You shouldn't be, but isn't that incredible? It's him two, and LT. Two guys. LaDainian Tomlinson, an all-time great running back, and then yeah, Lenny so, Moore. So LT in his 18-game stretch had 25 rushing, two receiving, and two passing. Lenny Moore had 19 rushing and four receiving for uh, those Baltimore Colts. And the crazy thing is, for LT, it was basically one year between the first game and his last game. 
because the seasons were a little bit longer. For Lenny Moore, he missed some games, so it was almost two years. Wow. And it was his 30, 31, and 32-year-old seasons, and conventional wisdom now would say running back would be done by then. So there you go. Fun fact, Carson. Yeah. Damian Tomlinson on his career, 8 of 12 passing. Seven touchdowns. Wow. That is a good fact. I mean, that's, he's, I, he's the Maybe greatest. Maybe something for the nerds. You know what? I, I think that's a good point. He's yeah. the greatest uh, passing non-quarterback, I think, in NFL history. That's pretty so, incredible. So, Carson, my next question for you. In this previous year's draft, we're staying current. Mm-hmm. What team was Matisse Thibel drafted by? And I will give you bonus points if you can tell me the pick. The Boston Celtics, 22nd. Oh, so close. Wait. Boston Celtics is correct. Yeah. 20th pick. Uh, so you get the regular question right. You're three for three right now, Carson. I'm cooking. I think I got a Tybal wears 22, right? I think that might be what threw me off. Does he? I don't know. I'm I'm on my own head now. All right, Logan. Here's one for you. Who has the most consecutive 1,400 yard receiving seasons in NFL history? Mm, this is an interesting one, and two guys are at the top of well, three guys actually. So I'm thinking Isaac Bruce, but I don't think it's Isaac. I think my answer is going to be Antonio Brown, um, but Julio Jones is in a race a little bit too. Um, I'm going to go AB. Try again. It's not Julio, is it? I, okay, I guess I'll go Julio then. It is Julio Jones. Julio had five straight. And he was six yards away from his sixth straight wow. this season. Even when it felt like he had a down year, he finished with 1394. And no one else in history has done it four times in a row. So he could have had six with the second best being three. AB, I don't remember if he did it. I think he did it three times in a row. I think Jerry Rice did it three times in a row. But you you had the right group for the most part. You know, fantasy football wise, Julio is a consistent performer. The only thing is he's a little bit short on the touchdowns yeah. as far as all-time great receivers. Well, and I think it's because Atlanta always... They have such a great rotation there. Yeah, and they've also had a lot of – they've had some good tight ends who can who can catch passes in the red zone. So, Carson, we're going to throw it back just, you know, about five years. Okay. Can you tell me who the leader in assists was for the 2015-2016 NBA season? All right. So let's think this one through. So the year after that, it was, it was Russ. No, no, the year after that, it was James Harden. 2015-16. Let's just think about great point cards. Chris Paul – Rajon Rondo. <laughs> For some reason, I'm thinking about Darren Collison, but I don't think it's Darren Collison. Um, this is assists per game or total assists? Uh, per game. Okay. You know, I'm going to go a little... Oh. All right, I'm going to want a second guess after this, but I believe this was a year Rondo was on the Kings, and I think it's Rajon Rondo. It is Rondo. Man, you are coming out the gates hot. 11.7 per game. Yeah. And a couple other players you mentioned, Chris Paul up there in the top five, along with Russell Westbrook. Also in the top five, Ricky Rubio with 8.7 that year. Rubio, man. Really just a phenomenal passer and such a great basketball mind. Unfortunately, just can't shoot the ball quite well enough to be a great NBA point guard. All right, Logan. Who was the Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl 48? So that's the 2013 season. I can tell you the teams, too, if you need it. 48 is Seahawks Broncos. Yes. Oh, it's easy. It's Malcolm Smith. Correct. Yeah. Malcolm Smith, what, he had an interception that game or? He had a pick six, okay. a fumble recovery, and 10 tackles. Yeah. And I think history wise, I think he's going to be lost a little bit just because you have some of these iconic names such yeah. as Tom Brady. And then you're just going to look back and you're not going to remember the Dexter Jacksons, the Deion Branches, the Malcolm Smiths for that matter. So I think it's pretty cool that a player that's not really big time. 
I would have loved to have put some money on that before the game. Yeah, well, it's also incredible to me when you think about the Legion of Boom defense. I mean, Malcolm Smith was a starter for like two years, and you have obviously Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, um, KJ Wright, all Bobby Wagner, all these great players on this defense. And out of all of them, Malcolm Smith is the one that gets the honor. And you know what I think is funny, too? Just a couple years later, Malcolm Smith is in Oakland playing yeah. for the Raiders. Yeah. Just, just goes to show. I know. And now he's out of the league, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, Carson, I think this is the favorite, my favorite question that All I right. wrote. Can you name the second leading scorers in the NBA Finals? Uh, excuse me. The second leading scorers for both teams in the 06 NBA Finals. So not regular season, but what they did in the finals itself. Okay. I do like this question. So my first thought for the Mavs is Josh Howard. Okay, so I'm thinking about the Heat now because I know that this is a tricky one. Shaq averaged like 13 points per game this finals. So he had a really bad series. But I'm wondering, was that still the second most? I'm trying to think about other people. I think I'm going to go crazy here. I think I'm going to go Antoine Walker and Josh Howard. Antoine Walker was the player for the Heat, but you're spacing on the Jet. Oh, that was well, that was my second guess. That was going to be my second guess. Yeah, it was surprisingly clo- uh, close when I was looking at this because I was just going back through the NBA Finals yeah. to find a question. And O'Neal had 13.7. Antoine Walker had 13.8. Mm. Howard was the third leading scorer for the Mavs with 14.7. Jason Terry finished with 22 per game. Oh, so it wasn't even that close. Finals. Yeah. Well, that kind of surprised me because Howard was an all-star that season, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. He was like a 20-point-per-game scorer, so he was a pretty darn good player. So close to perfect. Yeah. I, I was a half question away from perfect. I like that question too. All right, Logan. Three times in NFL history, a single player has had a 200 tackle season and one player has two of those three seasons. Who is it? Oh, man, this is a good question. Um, I don't know if I know. Can, can you repeat the question one more time for me? There have been three 200 tackle seasons in NFL history. One player has two of those three. Who is it? Um, uh, my question for you is, is it a linebacker for the Browns? No, man. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the great tacklers in NFL history. I I think Zach Thomas, Luke Keekley, Ray Lewis. I don't know if I genuinely don't know if any of those guys have ever had 200 tackle season. Now this is total, right? It's not solo. It's combined. Um, I'm at a loss here, Carson. I'm just going to throw out Luke Keekley. I'm, I'm at a loss. The answer is Jesse Tuggle. That's exactly. Oh, I'm I'm kicking myself. <laughs> oh, Logan almost just like tried to pause the record. I don't know what he did there. He extended his hand. Jesse Tuggle had a 207 tackle season and a 201 tackle season and also a 193 tackle season, a 185 tackle season, and a 183 tackle season. The only other person to ever do it is Hardy Nickerson, who had the most ever with 214. And Logan appears to be pretty distraught over there. Man, well, you look at these graphics that people make for NFL pages, and Tuggle is always over there for tackles, and he was the name that just escaped me. Yeah. Uh, man, that's a good question. I like that. Thank you. Okay, so I've got three pretty tough ones. I think that you'll get two of them for sure, though. Okay. I think that I trust your NBA knowledge. All right. Carson, this one has actually two answers, so I will accept either. What player or players have scored the most points in a single overtime period? Steph Curry. Correct. And the reason I say two is because now Steph outscored the other player, but one is postseason, one is regular season. Oh, okay. Steph scored 17 in the postseason. Yeah. Who do you think uh, has the regular season record? 
That is a good question. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm just thinking. I feel like Michael Jordan might be in the conversation. I feel like I'm thinking Damian Lillard, but I think I'm just thinking that because Steph beat the Blazers. But no, actually, I'm going Damian Lillard. The answer is actually our uh, friend of the program, uh, Gilbert Arenas. Wow. Good for No Chill Gil. Yeah, 16 points in an overtime period, which is the record for uh, the regular season. It's kind of incredible that the postseason record is higher than the uh, regular season It, it is surprising. Shout out to Steph. All right, I like that question. Here's one for you, Logan. In the 90s, four running backs won MVP. Can you name all four of them? Uh, Emmett Smith. Correct. Terrell Davis. Correct. Marshall Falk. Or was he 2000? He was 2000. Um, running backs in the 90s. Okay, I have my other two answers to this question. Okay. So, TD, Emmett Smith, Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders. Well done. I was worried you were going to leave out Thurman. Dude, it, it's And just, I was going to be upset. I'm not going to do the Bills organization like that. It's just, I don't know, when you think of these long-term running backs, Thurman really doesn't pop up, but it's just it's easy to forget that he had that MVP caliber season. Yeah. I think, you know, Emmett and Barry are pretty easy. Mm-hmm. TD, of course, had the 2,000-yard season, but was really only himself for about three years, so I think sometimes he can slip through the cracks. But God, he was so... I mean, they won two yeah. Super Bowls with him at his peak powers, and he won an MVP, and he was, like, unstoppable in both Super Bowls. Well, I mean, and you remember that iconic line from Mike Shanahan that they put TD in the game when he couldn't see. Yeah. He was having a terrible migraine, and they said... Terrell, if you're not in the game, yeah. they know we're not going to run the football. Yeah. So he just he had a massive impact on those Broncos teams. Yeah. All right. What do you got for me? So my next question is also another two-answer question, Carson. Okay. Uh, you, you can name either player, and it All will right. be correct. Who holds the record for three-pointers made in a single half? Ooh, very interesting. So let's think about most in a game. So we'll start from 12. Kobe and Donyan Marshall had 12. No, Zach- no, no. In a half. No, no, I know. Okay, I'm, just, okay. I'm just going through game. Um, Zach Levine and Steph both had 13 and Clay had 14. So those are the great games. I'm thinking maybe I, I have to go Clay from when he had his 37-point quarter because he had nine threes in that quarter alone. It's Clay Thompson. All right. Ten. The other player I don't expect you to get. You can keep going if you want. Okay, I, I will keep going. Very random. This is out of left field. So it's got to be a recent guy. There's no way it's someone historical. And that's where like Zach Levine would be a candidate, but I already mentioned him. So I don't think <laughs> for some reason I'm thinking about Devontae Graham, but I know it's not Devontae Graham. Um, past few years, who are dudes that have just hocked up threes? Huh. You know what? I'll give you another hint here, okay. Carson. These guys struggled with a lot of injuries these past couple of years. Okay. Um, I'm going to give up. Who is it? Chandler Parsons. What? Ten and a half along with Clay. Actually, I kind of remember that. That's insane. Crazy to think about. And he was never even that great of a shooter, even at the peak of his powers. Like, he might have shot 40% from three one year, but wow. Yeah. That is fascinating. All right, Logan, you may or may not have already sort of answered this question, but who was the MVP of Super Bowl thirty nine? That's the 2004 season. 2004. <laughs> Dexter Jackson. No. Right? 2004. Oh, Deion Branch. Sorry. It's Deion Branch. I was thinking uh, Bucks, Raiders. No, uh, Patriots. Um, Eagles. Eagles, yeah. Luckily, I have a bonus question for you. Okay. So, so Deion Branch had 11 catches for 133 yards. He had no touchdowns. This bonus question is impossible, but it's really interesting. Who did 
cat who who were the two players that did catch a passing touchdown from Tom Brady in that game? Um, I'm going to say Mike Vrabel is one. Um, That's correct. So Tom Brady threw two. There's another guy. Yes. Vrabel, I remember just because that was such an interesting moment. Who mm-hmm. else was on that team? Oh, um, cornerback, uh, Troy Brown. That's my guess. David Givens is the answer. Oh, man, I don't remember David Givens. Yeah, who does? Isn't that <laughs> incredible? In a Super Bowl, you win a Super Bowl where Mike Vrabel and David Givens catch the two touchdowns for you. And Deion Branch gets the MVP. And Deion Branch wins crazy the Super Bowl Crazy to think MVP. about. Yeah. Okay, Carson, I really don't expect you to get this one. And if you name right. any of the top five on this list, I will give it to you. All right. <laughs> Who has the best single game plus minus performance in NBA history? Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, I can think of the worst because I know Russ had like one of the worst ever this year. I'm thinking about. Okay, ready? Here's my first guess. Joe Ingles. Ingles is not in the top five. Ah. I'm thinking like, so let's think about blowout games as of late. So I feel like the Jazz have beaten someone by 50. I feel like the Rockets beat someone by 50 last year. I'm going to go P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is an interesting answer. It's not him, but you are on a very good line of thinking right now. Okay, so I will rearrange my guess to Clint Capella. Clint Capella, another interesting answer. I'm telling you, Carson, you got to think. You got to thank Rockets that were there for a very short period of time. <laughs> Joe Johnson. No. <laughs> um, Oi. All right. So we're getting to the into the obscure guys now. Gerald Green. I remember this guy with the Bucks. Okay. Bucks. Short time Rocket. Man, I'm closing in. I seem to be closing in, but I really don't have this person in my head. Ah. Uh, I don't know, but here's who else I'm going to guess. Leandro Barbosa. No. <laughs> I'm just thinking about great teams that have crushed people. Uh, the box honestly feels like they could have someone from this year. Chris Middleton. You want me to tell you? Yeah, go ahead. So there are some other guys that I left out with plus 50 performances, but the top five, plus 50 in 2018, Daniel Tice for Boston. Wow. Plus 50 in 2019, James Harden. You could have said Harden. Are you kidding me? I, I like had... I thought about saying Harden instead of Capella, but... Um, Jeremy Lamb in Charlotte, 2018, plus 51. Wow. Um, Joe Smith in Chicago in 2001, plus 52. And the greatest single-game plus-minus performance in NBA history, a Houston Rocket against Denver in 2017, plus 57, Luke Mbaamute. Wow. And people said Joe Smith wasn't a winner. Look at that. How can that be a bust? That was a, a very fun question. I was totally on the right track with the mm-hmm. with the Rockets. There were two of them, and I didn't get the greatest one of them all. <laughs> so good for me. Okay, Logan, we've got a true or false question for you here. True or false, in his MVP season, Mark Mosley did not make a 50-yard field goal. <laughs> this is a really good question. Thank you. Um, man, I, I can't get a 50-50 question wrong, right? <laughs> um, Mark Mosley... I mean, I guess I should just go for it. I'm going to feel – I feel like, Carson, you wouldn't have just come up with this. I'm going to say true. He didn't make a 50-yarder. That is correct. He was – and this this MVP just gets more incredible the more you look yeah. at the actual stats from this year because he was 20 of 21 on field goals along of 48, and he was 16 of 19 on extra points. And this dude was the MVP. 
I don't. I just don't get it, man. It's incredible, but they did win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. So, but what a weird, weird lockout shortened season. So, uh, Carson, I feel like this one's going to be a cupcake for you. Okay. What three NBA franchises have never made it to the conference finals? Okay. Wow. First of all, that is that is incredible. So, the Hornets have to be one. Correct. Um, the Timberwolves have made it. And the Kings have made it. Um, I'm trying to think about teams that have never. Um, the Nuggets have made it. They made it with Mello in '09. Um, think about new teams. Okay, for a second I was thinking the Nets before I realized they made two finals back to back. Let's think. Who are the just terrible franchises in basketball history? Let's run down that a bit. Um, the Hawks have. Wait. The Hawks, when they won 62 games, did they lose in the second round or the conference finals? I think they lost in the conference finals. I'm not putting the Hawks in there. Um, bum, 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 bum. You're blanking on a pretty big recent team. Uh, and what I mean by that is... Uh, like an expansion team? Not not per se, but just think back like about five years. You'll, you'll catch on to my, oh, my point. The Grizzlies? No. Grizzlies made it in 2013. Oh, wow. That was foolish. Well, I thought back about five years. I thought yeah, back you seven did years. About five years. <laughs> um, so it's someone that got really close. Oh. I won't even say Wait, that. wait, 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 wait. Do the, do the Pelicans count? The Pelicans do count. Yeah. So there's one more, and they are in the West. Okay. And, I mean, historically, they stink. So let's look around here. Northwest Division, we have the Thunder, the Timberwolves, the Blazers, the Nuggets, and the Jazz. It's none of them. Southwest, we have Pelicans, who already got Rockets, Mavs, Spurs, and Grizzlies. Pacific, oh, no, it's not. Well, I was about to say the Suns, but it's not the Suns. It's not the Kings. It's not the Lakers. It's not the Warriors. Is it the Clippers? It's the Clippers. Wow. Chris Paul, man. That's that's actually pretty... I forgot that they had never made one. And that just seems so weird because now they're as relevant as it gets. And they're probably the favorite. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah. At least he's having fun now. Yeah. I mean, he's showing that he's still a top 25 player in basketball. Good question, Logan. Thank you. Here's one for you. In this past decade, who led the Patriots in total rushing yards? Ooh. Wow. This is a very good question. The this Patriots dynasty is always so astounding because of the revolving door they have at the running back position. Um, okay, so there's a few candidates, and we're going to run it back. Shane Vereen is an interesting answer. Um, I don't think it's right. Lagarde Blunt is probably who I'm leaning towards just because he spent a, a lot of time there. I don't know how many rushing yards he accumulated. Sony Michelle is pretty recent, so I don't think it's him. What other Patriots running backs are there in the past decade? Danny Woodhead, you know, awesome, really good uh, receiving back. Elite. Um, ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, but I think he was like 2010, 2008, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm spacing. Stevon Ridley was, ooh, Stevon Ridley's an interesting answer. I feel like I'm overhyping Ridley. It's between Vereen, Ridley, and Blunt. I'm going to go with Lagarde Blunt. That's correct. So it is Lagarde Blunt with 2,917 on the decade, which is a very low number to be a mm-hmm. running back leader for the decade. Next up is Stevon Ridley with 2,817. And third 
is James White with 2,809. Wow. So they're all pretty close in mm-hmm. that top three. Ridley had the best single season. He had over like 1,200. I mean, best rushing yards wise because mm-hmm. LeGarrette Blount also had that 18 touchdown season. And then James White has basically just been at like 500 to 750 for like five or six years because he's one of the few guys that's actually stuck around because he's a receiving back, so he's more durable. And I think that's just indicative of the time that we live in now where the Patriots have won a lot and never had a dominant running back. Never. I mean, it, it really just goes to show you. I mean, the best running back they've ever had is probably Corey Dillon. Yeah, I agree. Or Curtis Martin. Yeah, probably, I, I get probably Curtis Martin. I get what yeah. you're saying, though. Yeah. Okay, Carson. So, I uh, no, no, I expect you to get this one. Okay. Who was the rookie of the year in the 2013-14 season? 13-14. So coming out of that draft, Anthony Bennett goes one, Oladipo goes two, um, Otto Porter goes three. Let's think here. Rookie of the year. Who was good that season? So that was, wait, was that? That was MCW, right? That was Michael Carter-Williams' season. You know, and he broke onto the scene against the, uh, who was it, the Heat? I don't remember. I think he had like a triple-double or something in his first game. Yeah, he definitely had a triple-double to start his career. It was insane against the Heat, and I believe the Sixers won, and he ended up winning Rookie of the Year. I loved MCW. I thought he was going to be awesome in this league. He is like one of the all-time great one-off seasons ever. And it's like it was like the NBA changed right when he got there. And he had one season, and then it was like, Oh wow, you can't shoot at all. Yeah, like like the like the Ricky Rubio mold. It, yeah. it worked for that one season for MC Dub. And he was I mean, he was big, right? He was six six. I really liked him at Syracuse too, because I always liked Syracuse for some reason as a kid. I really don't know why, but good question. Okay. Who was the only tight end besides Rob Gronkowski to catch fifteen touchdowns in a single season? Hmm. Very good question. Um you said besides Gronk? Yeah, because Gronk had 17. So I'm just thinking of some of the all-time great tight ends. You've got Ditka, Mackey, uh, Tony G, uh, Winslow. I don't know why. I feel like Mackey might be my answer, although he played in such an old era. It's between right now, I don't know if Antonio Gates. Ooh, Gates is an interesting one. Um Vernon Davis had two seasons of 13. We just talked about that the mm-hmm. other day. Um, my answer is going to come down between Mackey and Tony G. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Mackey. It is not Mackey. I will advise you to think of modern guys. Okay. Um, ooh, could it be Kelsey or Ertz or uh, Kittle? Maybe. Um, man, I'm drawing a blank here. Who's been? This dude was incredible for like two years. Incredible for two years. I feel like I'm spacing on somebody pretty big. Then. There was a time where people would debate him versus Gronk. Wow. I can't believe. Dude, it, it just. Wow. He's been so mediocre in these past five years that you just. It's Jimmy Graham. It is Jimmy Graham. Dude, Jimmy Graham was so good. I loved Jimmy Graham. When him and Drew Brees were just tearing up the NFL, it was amazing to watch. He had 16 touchdowns in 2013, and I swear he must have had one every game because I felt like every time I watched the Saints game, Jimmy Graham was minus 1,000 to catch a touchdown. Wow. How did I forget about – it just goes to show, man. You just fall off and – I'm going to ask you this, Carson. Do you mm-hmm. think you can attribute that to him not playing with Drew Brees anymore? Or No. Well, I mean, he got hurt, right? I think mm-hmm. part of it is they took him out of the Brees situation, but he's still very good in the red zone. He's just not the same dynamic yeah. athlete elsewhere that he was. But 
I love Jimmy Graham, I got to say. Yeah, I love watching him too. I loved all those Saints tight ends in that era. Jeremy Shockey was cool to watch along with Drew, but man, just based on Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Um, this is the one I expect you to struggle a little bit with. It's a little right before I feel like your fandom kicked in okay. super hard. Okay. So the 2006-07 Raptors had rookie Andrea Bargnani on their mm-hmm. squad and improved their win total by 20 wins. Mm-hmm. Who led this team in assists? Okay. So this was this I mean Bosch was leading this team in scoring. Um who led this team in assists? I'm trying to think about whenever I think of Raptors point guards, I think of Damon Stoudemire. It's not Damon Stoudemire. Mm. Um it's too too late for his time. <laughs> I just thought about Kyle Lowry for a second. I don't think that that's the answer. So I'm thinking it was a point guard though. And oh, this is a tough one, but I like this one. Mid-2000s point guards. This is a guy I would... He would never have crossed my mind. Okay. Okay. Boy, I'm struggling to even come up with a name here. Ah, For some reason, I... I was about to say Mike Bibby, but Mike Bibby never played for the Raptors. I am going to forfeit. So I was expecting you to maybe lean towards Jose Calderon, who averaged oh, 5.0 this uh-huh. season. The leader with 7.9 assists per game, TJ Ford. Wow. I always think of TJ Ford as a pacer. Yeah, I, I mean, I had never really heard of TJ Ford, but uh, shout out TJ. Wow. A Calderon, I just, it's funny. I don't think of him as being that old. Like, I know he's an old guy, but it just, that was way back when. That is a long time ago. That's a long time ago. All right, Logan, this is this one is officially the hardest question in trivia time history, but it was really interesting, and that's why I put it okay. in here. And so I give you a bonus question to everyone. So, you know, we can throw in one yeah, of these because yeah. because why not? Which active player had the highest vertical at the combine <laughs> out of <laughs> out of the fifteen hundred NFL players? Is he relevant? Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. You will um, never get him, though. Uh, my initial guess was somebody like Odell or something. Um He's he's relevant, but you'll never get him. Um, I don't. John Ross, no. Um, who do I? Marquise Goodwin, no. I'm just thinking of fast. It makes sense to think of receivers, right? And that's what makes this guy so incredible. He is not a receiver. Tell me the position. Outside linebacker slash D end. What? Yeah, Bud Dupree, no. Who's just athletic? Is Dion Buchanan, no. Um. I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. This guy switched teams this past year for the first time in his career. Okay. Um, and he's, he's over the hump now. He's on the way out. All right. I, I don't know. Clay Matthews. I, I don't know, man. Cameron Wake. No way. Had a 45 and a half inch vertical. Bull. No. Which, when, when, when was his combine? Like 06? Yeah, it was around there. I think it was 05 or 06. At 6'3", 236. He's 6'3", 263 now. And he kind of just had a monstrous combine. He ran a 4.65. He did 20 bench press reps. It, it, the funniest thing to me, though, is Wake didn't get drafted. I know. He, he didn't to, come into the league until he was like 27. Yeah, he had to go to the CFL, and then he made his debut in uh, 2010. Yeah. And um, next best is Chris Conley at 45 inches. So you had the right idea with a the receiver there. But I just couldn't believe it because, like— <laughs> That's like all-time NBA. Like, that might be the NBA record. I'm not sure. No, I think someone's gotten to 46, but I immediately went and looked up Cameron Wake basketball. Nothing. He would have been a demon on the floor. That's what I'm saying. And then I looked up Chris Conley basketball. Also nothing. Wow. So I was very disappointed. I was expecting to see, like, listen, if Josh McCown has a mixtape, 
from from the basketball court. Uh-huh. I want to see the dudes with a 45-inch vertical. As do I. Yeah. Okay, Carson. Michael Jordan holds the record for most playoff points per game with a career uh, a threshold of 33.45. Who is second? Okay. I really like this question. So there's a few guys that come to my mind. Elgin Baylor comes to my mind. Jerry West comes to my mind. LeBron, I think, is going to be just a tick too low. AI is a good candidate because he didn't always go. I mean, he didn't play in any playoff games late in his career post-prime, and he was obviously putting up a lot of points. Um, I'm not going to go Dirk. I like the group that I've selected here. I'm thinking about all-time great scorers besides that. Shaq, no, because he was on those Celtics and Cavs teams late. Carl Malone, no, because he played too long. Um, Akeem just wasn't a dynamic enough scorer. So I'm going to go. Oh, I want to say Elgin Baylor, but I don't think that's right. Wilt is also an interesting candidate, of course. My official guess is Elgin Baylor. I would like a second guess. Go ahead and use your second guess. Okay. My second guess is... Now I'm thinking maybe I've just been off this whole... It's not Kareem. He played too long. It's not Bird. All right. I'm going to go with... Uh, I just don't feel good about any of these. Allen Iverson. Correct. Wow. Let's go. You named you named three of the top five. You named AI, West, and uh, LeBron. AI, second all-time, 29.73. West, third all-time, 29.13. LeBron, uh, fifth all-time, 28.92. You missed out on Kevin Durant, 29.09, fourth, and wow. sixth, Rick Barry, 27.33. Ah. So Elgin Baylor wasn't in the conversation despite my, not. despite my love for him. That felt good because I really didn't think I was going to get that. That was an excellent question. Okay, Logan. In 2010, Sam Bradford went first overall in the draft. Who was the next quarterback taken? Ooh, I really like this question. You, this you is quarterback guru. This is right up my alley. Um, man, dude, I played way too much Madden 11 not to get this. Um, God, who else was a rookie that year? Uh, Bradford. Okay, I've been racking my brain. Okay. And there's one guy that sticks out like a sore thumb. Okay. I think it's Tim Tebow. That is correct. And the only reason I say that is because I remember McDaniels trading up into the first round because I think Tebow was graded out second or third round by most guys. And McDaniels traded up into the first round and used – or maybe he just used the pick. But I remember him taking Tebow with the 25th pick. 25th. Perfect. Perfect as per usual from Logan Camden. Yes. Tim Tebow, first-round quarterback. It's just weird to say that now. I know. And you wonder. I get I get that there's hindsight here, but I feel like at the time, everyone must have been like, he's not going to work in the NFL. Oh, no, they questioned it. And to that, I would say I felt like Tebow was shortchanged a little bit. And what I mean by that is don't get me wrong. The numbers don't blow you away yeah. by any str- yeah. stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But he won. He that's went on true. that hot no, streak with true. that. Now, again, I think Tebow you can mania. Att- I think you can attribute it to the defense. He whooped the Steelers in overtime on that one play. I just wish he had gotten an opportunity in New York or New England. I just wish he'd gotten a chance to throw the ball anywhere else. I don't think anyone was going to give it to him, but eight and six career record as a starter, not all too shabby. Mm-hmm. And to be out of the league a year after that seven and four season is a little bit surprising, I have to it's say. Very strange. Okay, Carson, the 2011-2012 Thunder made their lone finals appearance with the future MVP trio of Westbrook, Durant, and Harden. 
Who led this team in rebounding? All right. So there's three candidates. Kendrick Perkins, who I don't think it was. Serge Ibaka or Kevin Durant. And so KD's had some pretty good rebounding seasons. He's had some seasons around eight a game. And Ibaka has never actually been a great rebounder. And Perk only played like 20 minutes a game. And if it's Nick Collison, I will throw something. So my official guess is Kevin Durant. Correct. Uh, Westbrook finished in fifth with 4.3. Or no, Collison finished in fifth with 4.3. Westbrook had 4.6. Perkins was third, 6.6. Abaka had 7.5. And KD led the squad with eight a night. It's really interesting because Ibaka, as great of a shot blocker as he was, yeah. never a great rebounder. Exactly. And you know, for the longest time, Serge is a solid seven footer now, right? I don't know. He's not seven foot. Okay, because I don't he's know. like six nine, six ten. Yeah, I thought he was always six ten. For some reason, I had gotten this illusion that in the new NBA uh, measuring that he had grown since his time uh, at the combine. I mean, I, I like the take. Yeah, it's no. an interesting take. No, I'm, we could figure it out pretty easily too. Yes, <laughs> this is true. All right, Logan. Brett Favre is the only player to ever win three straight MVPs, but one team besides the Packers in that stretch have had three straight MVP winning seasons. Who was that team? Um, San Francisco. Nope. Denver. Nope. Okay, those are my two right off the bat guesses. Um, can, can you give me a time frame? Like, what are we talking? If about? I give you a time frame, you'll get okay, it. I okay. would just think about. Two great all-time skill players on the same offense. Dallas. No. Man, I'm I'm whiffing here. Um, I'm just trying to think about some of the great all-time. Oh, is it uh, St. Louis? It is. Uh, Kurt, Sean Turf. Kurt twice, Marshall once. Mm-hmm. It went um, 99, it went Warner. 2000, it went Falk. 2001, it went Warner. And I think when we talk about Kurt Warner, an underrated all-time performer. Absolutely. A, a two-time MVP with three Super Bowl appearances in a Super Bowl ring, and he didn't come into the league until he was 27? And, and, and it's amazing the, the middle, like yeah. in New York. And I will give Kurt Warner respect for a, a big reason back in 04. After they drafted Eli, Kurt was having a miserable year, and they benched him. Eli comes in, stinks up the joint, and I can't remember the head coach at the time, but he goes, uh, Kurt, we're going to put you back in over Eli. And Kurt told him, No. You can't do this. You're going to kill the kid's confidence. Yeah. And Kurt told them, sit me on the bench for the sake of Eli. And Kurt was just an awesome guy. I always wanted to see him get that second ring, but uh, definitely not at the sacrifice of my own Steelers. And it's incredible because he won MVP basically as a rookie. I mean, he was 28. Pretty much. But it was his first season starting. Exactly. Really an incredible career. That Brett Favre QB tree is something else, Car- Carson. It's yeah. it's something insane. Yeah. Okay, my final question for you, Carson. I think this may be my Actually, this might be my favorite or my second favorite question that I wrote down. Wait, this is the final? Yeah. <laughs> I have three more for you. This is this is 15 for me. Well, I gave you 16 and you started, so I guess there must be one difference somewhere. Who knows? There's, Go ahead. We're, uh, we're not too good at math we'll here. Finish, on, we'll uh, finish out with the Logan Camden stretch. <laughs> All right. As of this recording day, the 2009 draft class has five players over 4,000 career assists. Can you name all five? Okay. Steph Curry, James Harden. DeMar DeRozan, not DeRozan, Mm-mm. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin isn't over 4,000 assists. Um, okay, Rubio. Rubio is over 5,000 assists. Logan is nodding. Who else? 
Ty Lawson wasn't in this draft, was he? He was Ty Lawson is in this he draft. He was in this draft. Not over four thousand. Wow, that's surprising. Um, three thousand three hundred sixteen career on the hmm. Ty Lawson. Man, he was really good for a while. Um, Conley's the year before this. There's uh, two point guards that um both all stars at okay. some point in time that you're missing out on. Okay, I was gonna say. Tyreek Evans, but that's a high number for him. Also, Reek was 07, wasn't he? 08? No, Reek was 09. Reek won Rookie of the Year with these guys? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm 95.7% sure. Um, two other point guards who were all-stars from this class mm-hmm. was... Larry wasn't in this class. Mm-hmm. Larry was like a couple years before. I... I'm a little bit stumped here. Both All-Stars in the East. In the East. Okay. So, yeah, maybe not as impressive. Yeah. Well, you know, let's not get too excited here. <laughs> calling them All-Stars. Um, boy, I'm struggling. Who were good? It's not like... Okay, I just thought Darren Collison, but he wasn't an All-Star. Collison was not an All-Star. He was actually the next guy off from the 4,000 list. I believe he had 3,500 on his career. Man, this is a good point guard class. This is a, very good. This is a good point also, class. another guy that I don't expect you to mention, Brandon Jennings. Yeah. Uh, over 3,000 as well. Wow. I'm surprised DeRozan and Blake weren't on this list, I have to say, because Blake's been, you know, he's been averaging five assists for a few years. Um, okay. I know that there was a good point guard taken in the middle of the first round of this draft that I'm forgetting, and it is going to eat me alive. And I'm just, I'm... Totally stumped. Was there a good second rounder in this draft? Was there a good second? Is there is one of these guys from the second round? No, there's actually two. Both of these guys that are left off are in the middle of the first round. Yeah, I know that this is going to hurt me, but I'm I'm going to concede. Jeff Teague and Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. That's who I was thinking of. Actually, I was. I. I oh wow. That one hurts. And what a uh, great draft class. Yeah. DeMar, uh, your guess as 2,817 on his career. Blake, 2749. Uh, wow, neither of them are that close. That's interesting. All right. Here we go, Logan. We're finishing up with you. We've got three for you. Okay. Two NFL teams have had two different running backs rush for 20 plus touchdowns in single seasons. Who are the two teams? The Chiefs. Correct. Um, Chargers. No. I'm trying to think of teams who have had uh, Broncos. Mm-mm. I'm thinking Portis and uh, TD. Mm-hmm. Um, the Browns? Nope. I don't know. This one. This one's tough. The Chiefs are obviously because I'm assuming it's Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson, correct? That's correct. Not Seattle, I don't think, because Sean Ale- who would have come in after Sean Alexander. Um, other teams who had good running backs at this point, uh, the Vikings had AT, AB. AP. What am I? I'm, I'm spazzing. AT? Was yeah. that the first one? No, I don't know what I said. I was going to say AD, but then because all day. Yeah. Anthony Davis. Then I said AB. Yeah. Antonio Brown. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to give up. Who is it? So the other one is the Redskins. John Riggins had 24 in the 83 season and Terry Allen had 21 in the 96 <laughs> season. And the Chiefs were were the one that, you know, that's that's the easier one. And listen to this stretch of touchdown seasons from Chiefs running backs. So I believe this starts in 2002. Priest Holmes has 21. Then he has 27. Then he has 14 and Larry Johnson has nine in the same season. So they have 23 combined. Then Larry Johnson is 20. Then Larry Johnson is 17. So they went 21, 27, 23 combined at 2017, which is crazy. Let's keep your momentum here, Logan. 
Who was the last player to win Offensive Rookie of the Year and then later win an MVP in their career? You know, Carson, I'm just now realizing I just missed a question. That's that's the attribution. Okay. So after this one, I'll give you all right, another one. All right, all uh, right. Could you repeat that? The last player to win Offensive Rookie of the Year and MVP in their career. Uh, Cam Newton. That is correct. Um, that one, I don't know, I think is pretty simple just because I think Cam had, what, like 16 rushing touchdowns his rookie year? He had 14 rushing touchdowns. Insane. Which is really pretty crazy. Can you name the other two players to do it this century? This century? Yeah. Uh, Adrian Peterson. Correct. Um, MVPs and Rookie of the Year, so Peyton Manning would not count. Um, 04, Big Ben has never won an MVP. Sean Alexander, did he win Rookie of the Year? Matt Ryan. What? Yeah. And I forget about that MVP year, honestly, man. It was an incredible it's, season. It's just easy to easy, easy to forget about. All right. Throw me, the, throw me the last one, and then I'll give you your bonus question. So I definitely wanted the 09 draft class to be my last question to you yeah. because I felt like that was a yeah. really good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going back down to earth. <laughs> okay. Who had the best regular season record in the East in the 2013-2014 season? That... Um, 14-15 was when the Hawks had the best record. So 13-14, that wasn't, that wasn't the Bulls year, was it? That's after the Bulls. And I'm trying to think, was there a team in between? So this was, this was a Pacers Heat Conference Finals in the one seed. And why do I keep thinking it was the Bulls? This is too late for the Bulls, isn't it? Not the Pacers. Am I no? I'm not wrong. It's not the Hawks. The Hawks were the year after this. Who else was really good in the East? It wasn't the Celtics, but I don't think it was the Heat. So I am having a hard time here. Was it? Was it the Pacers? It's the Pacers. Wow. The fifth seed. They were the was one seed. The, the top five in the East: the Wizards, forty-four and thirty-eight; the Bulls, four seed, forty-eight and thirty-four; Raptors, three seed, forty-eight and thirty-four; two seed Heat, fifty-four and twenty-eight; and the one seed, the Pacers, fifty-six and twenty-six. Those teams were really good, and they pushed the Heat really hard. Danny Granger, Paul George, and Roy well, Hibbert, man. Danny Granger, I don't think he was Danny, playing at Danny that Danny Granger was my boy. Man. He was great just I before they became relevant. I love Danny Granger, man. Yeah. Did you did you leave out Roy Hibbert there? No, I said, I okay. said Hibbert. I, well, sure. I just know you hated Roy Hibbert. I mean, yeah. yeah, they just had a great supporting cast. George Hill, Lance Stevenson, David West was good. Yeah. I, that was just a really good team. And they went six and they went seven against the Heat in two Eastern Conference Finals. All right, Logan, here's your bonus question. The bonus questions always involve an obscure starting quarterback from 2005 on because there's a pretty good chance you'll know any of them. (laughs) So, Logan, here's your question. Who was the 2008 Kansas City Chiefs starting quarterback? Uh, Brody Croyle. Damon Heward. No. Trent Green? No. Man. Croyle and Heward both started... A couple games. Heward started three games. Croyle started two games. But there was one main guy. Oh, man. Um, Gerback retired in 04. Um, Trent Green must have just left and gone to the Dolphins or somewhere along those lines. It's where every washed-up QB goes. ETC Dante Culpepper. Uh, Chiefs quarterbacks. Tyler Palco was 2013. How well do you think Chiefs fans remember this guy? They probably remember him, not fondly. They went two and fourteen this year. I'm pretty sure. 
Matt Castle uh, was in New England at this time, uh, going 11-5 and five with the Pats. I have to say, Carson, this might be your best one yet. Thank you. Um, Kyle Baller. No. These guys are all so bad, all these guys in your Fred name. Edwards, like... No. Chiefs QBs. I do think you'll know it. I, I think you will be hitting yourself when I say it. I got it. I got it. Okay. It's Tyler Thigpen. That's correct. It is Tyler Thigpen. It, um, man, Thigpen stunk, dude. Wasn't great. Like, like, I mean, that's, that's about all the analysis I can give on Thigpen. I remember him with the Dolphins for a little while there with, um, I backing up Chad Henney or someone along mm-hmm. those lines. Man, th- this is a really good one. I think this is the best one you've hit me with. Thank you. He was 1 in 10 that year, 2,600 passing yards, 18 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, 55% completion. Also, <laughs> I just realized looking back, I was looking back on the Tebow Mania stats. Guess what his completion percentage was that season? 47. 46.5. Yeah, dude. It's tough to get a job when you do that. Man, I remember Stephen A. and everyone on TV ripping him. You can't yeah. have a QB who can't, doesn't complete 50% of his passes, although... I'm telling you, nothing got me more hype as a kid than on a Sunday afternoon watching Tebow hit the uh, dude loved God hit the what did he the Tebowing Tebowing it was called Tebowing yeah when he hit the Tebow prayed to God in the fourth quarter and then somehow scrambled for a 15 yard touchdown that man loved God still loves God he's not he's still with us he's still with us Tebow was awesome. Um, I hope you all have enjoyed, however. I know me and Carson love writing the jokes for this and performing the jokes. The jokes, not the jokes. This the whole trivia. thing is scripted. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually, we know all the answers ahead of time. <laughs> the jokes. No, no, no. Uh, I, we love writing the questions for uh, trivia time. We love quizzing each other on them. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. I have been Logan Camden. I've been Carson Brever. And this has been Nerd Sesh. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.